Welcome, apprentices and acolytes. Thank you so much for coming over to Season 2, Episode 12 of Unlock the Knowledge. I am Lord Dagavir, and today we're going to be talking about Force Sensitives that are not Jedi or Sith. Ready up. Ready up. My destiny. It's going to get so silly today. It's going to get so crazy today. And I'm so dang excited to tell you all everything that's going on. Uh, but a couple things. I want to do this kind of like rapid fire news thing. I heard there was a bunch of rumors this this week and the past week. And first biggest thing is about uh, Barris Ophi. For those of you who do not know, she was a character in the Clone Wars that ended up uh, kind of like blackmailing and framing Ahsoka Tano as a terrorist. And what this character Barris did was she blew up the Jedi Temple, part of the Jedi Temple, kind of was like a terrorist attack. Uh, one of the reasons being was because she just felt like the Jedi were kind of falling into this, uh, they were kind of blinded by the dark side, and they didn't realize what they were doing. Uh, like, her, it was one of those things where Barris had the right, like, she was right, but it was the wrong way to do it. You know, she was right about the Jedi being blinded, she was right about the Jedi kind of feeding into this warmongering and, 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 not, and not really doing what they were supposed to, which was kind of let the Force guide them, and they were being tools of the Republic. Um, and the whole purpose for her attack was basically that, and how she felt like the Jedi had lost her way. But doing so, she became a freedom fighter, a terrorist, and she blew up and killed innocent people, framed Ahsoka Tano. Uh, basically, uh, uh, you know, it was just such a terrible thing. But this character is rumored to be uh, revealing, uh, or just appearing in the Ahsoka Tano series that's going to be coming out for Disney+. And uh, my thoughts on that are, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true because I feel like Barriss' story is so complicated, and the reason of when she went into custody, uh, she had a trial um, after she was caught by Anakin Skywalker, and then uh, she was placed under arrest uh, under the Coruscant Guard, and that was that's kind of like one of the worst places to be um, after uh, you know the uh, the Order sixty six had go uh, had went on, and I feel like uh, Barris is you know in custody. If anything. Uh, you know, she's probably she probably winds up dead because although she wasn't a dark sided user, she would she wouldn't. I feel like her uh, the she's so mentally strong as a character, you know, very expressive, and I feel like she would die before she was turned into an inquisitor. And I feel because of that, she was probably executed in uh, you know in custody. Uh, but honestly, we won't know until we see. Maybe, maybe she escapes. Maybe she does appear in this Ahsoka Tano series. But I thought that was a little bit too much. Uh, next thing is going to be, I think there is another um, issue with uh, production with The Acolyte, which is going to be another series uh, that I'm super excited about. It's about 50 years before The Phantom Menace. This is towards the end of the High Republic series. So the High Republic series that we're talking about right now, which is everything that uh, we know and love, which has a video, excuse me, a book that's going to be coming out on the 29th. Uh, sequel to the uh, the uh, the first book that came out, and uh, apparently the uh, director hired a very large writing team for this, and one of the writers had never seen Star Wars at all. Um, and it was in this interview that stated that the person had never seen Star Wars. They didn't know that Leia and Luke were brothers. You know, and, and I felt like this conflict was so trivial. It really didn't make any sense why so many people had this issue uh, with with one person who's not even the main writer. Uh, who never seen Star Wars, uh, I, I, and that's the thing too. Is like over the time, I feel like I've adjusted my views because when this trilogy first started out, I felt like everybody that needed to be on the writing team needed to be die hard, die hard 
fans of Star Wars, not just for the movies, but, you know, for things like the expanded universe, the video games, the books and the comics, so they can understand like what Star Wars is, because it's not, you know, it's not Marvel. It's not this, uh, you know, this generic uh, franchise where you can con con consistently reset the universe over and over and just bring in things uh, that'll work because that's not how Star Wars is. Well, that I feel like, yeah, sure, is true. But I feel like uh, some of the best writers are are people who've never even seen Star Wars before because they're not uh, constricted by what they've seen before. Uh, one of the Rogue Run writers had never seen any Star Wars, didn't have any material to really understand. And, 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 and Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars in, for all of Disney. In fact, I've almost watched it as much as Revenge of the Sith. I love it that much. Um, and then uh, it's just it's just so silly. I feel like so many people get so worked up over so many things and I feel like this is not one of them because one the the main lady uh she uh she's directing this entire series and she's a die hard die hard like I mean like more so die hard than any of the people that have recently uh, come up and uh and written about it because right now you have David Filoni and John Favreau right but that's the thing too is like John Favreau doesn't really know a lot of the uh, the you know the you know the buy all the be alls of of Star Wars that's why Dave Filoni is there and you can tell this in like the first opening minutes of the behind the scenes of episode 1 and behind the Mandalorian and how it was made uh because uh, John Favreau asked Dave Filoni a question or Dave, uh, Dave Filoni asked John Favreau a question and he doesn't remember what this was or what that was and Dave Filoni has to correct him and that's what I loved it it showed you know it showed this you know the symbiosis you know the relationship uh, of how you know someone like that someone who's so experienced in in writing and in, in you know cinematography and screenplay and directing uh, you know still doesn't understand you know the finer details uh, that a David Filoni is someone that's a super diehard that was trained by George Lucas would know and that's why both of them work so damn well that's why I still have so much faith in this show the acolyte I just feel like people get really crazy really upset about the the silliest things um and the last couple things you know bad match has been amazing bad match has been so damn good and i hope that we continuously get these episodes uh if you have not watched it please watch it i don't want to spoil anything uh but the last two episodes are incredible the fight scenes are so beautiful and the dynamic skyboxes and s scenes and shots you ha if you do not have a good tv go over to a friend's house find someone that has a solid tv to watch the bad batch because i feel like the animation is so underappreciated in a lot of these shots and these frames that are presented to us and brought to reality. Uh, it's so gorgeous and Bad Batch is so much better than I ever thought it was going to be. <laughs> Let's get into the good stuff, okay? <laughs> Let's get into the good stuff now, into the actual stuff while you come here for the knowledge, right? So, here is the deal. I want to talk about a lot today and I have a whole bunch of notes and I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible, as fast as possible so your brain doesn't melt because I want you to go out throughout the day without uh, forgetting knowledge or, you know, sacrificing things like opening doors or doing basic math problems because there's so much stuff happening in the Star Wars universe and I'm going to give it to you because I want you to understand everything you could possibly understand. That's why you come here for the modern day Sith Lord with all the apprentices and acolytes coming in here and in doing what we do best and that is learn Star Wars. All right. So let's get into it. Let's start with the top. Okay. And these are who I feel like these are the deities. These are the people that are omnipotent, right? That's all powerful, omniscient, all knowing. And what's the other one that's like everywhere? Uh, um, omnipresence? Yeah. All uh, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, just 
super broken in terms of power. Um, but also, uh, it's funny because there's so many of these characters that I'm about to re re uh, present to you today that I feel like are still there are somewhat of an, an enigma. Uh, they're mysterious. Uh, maybe we don't know too much about them, and that's also because we just, uh, you know, the time that we've known them is pretty scarce. That we don't have too much information on them, even with things like YouTube videos and books. Uh, there's a lot of Star Wars uh, that ha that has no answers. There's a there's a large question mark over everything. Um, so let's get into it. Let's reveal some answers. Let's talk. Let's debate. Uh, let's get into it. And by the way, I'm not going to mention every single version of a Force-sensitive, or a uh, species, or a government, or a faction that challenges the Jedi or the Sith in views and beliefs. No, this is more so who I remember, who I know, because even if you are a, a master of everything in Star Wars, I feel like there's no way <laughs> that you're going to remember every single piece of hundreds and hundreds of Legends books and the new canon stuff. Even me, who's a diehard, diehard. Uh, that loves a lot of the Star Wars stuff. I, it's so hard for me just because of time and availability and things like the pandemic and its effect on, like, you know, just stores because it's so hard to find regular comics these days, you know, and you can't afford things like Comicology or a lot of the apps online or Amazon. Uh, and which is, you know, I'm not really sure if it supports comics that well or it does. I haven't done my research. But if I try to go into a mom and pop comic book store, you know, in my residential area, it's very hard for me to come home with a bag of goodies that is, you know, centered around that Star Wars thing that I want, because one, it's so in demand, like supply and demand is so ridiculous these days that people are buying things that aren't even fans. Um, so if you can, if you do have a comic book store out there, go and support it. You know, the industry is, is needs all the support that it can get right now. You, you know, you're the one. They can't do this without you. <laughs> so go out there, inspire yourself, and, and, and save a comic book store. Just, I mean, you don't have to. I'm just saying, you know. All right. <laughs> so let's get into it. These are the ones, okay? Who are the ones? These are, like, in my opinion, these are almost gods, all right? These are some of the highest forms of the force sensitivity that you can get. Um, and they were introduced in the Mortis arc of Star Wars Clone Wars. And uh, the Mortis is a planet, uh, and it's it's so crazy because, uh, you know, it's, think of, like, uh, the bad guys or good guys' secret hideout, right? Um, but instead of this, it's like a super, it's a planet. Like, it's literally a planet. And the planet isn't just a regular planet, right? It's, it's, it's a different type of form. I think it's even like a prism triangle uh, pyramid-esque type thing. Um, and it's also, it's also like, it's... It's pre uh, it's present in waves and, and phases, almost like a moon. And there's certain times of during the year or during the universe, a shift or access or tilt, whatever you want to call it. And it's just not there. It doesn't exist. I don't know if it travels through realms. There's so many theories on this thing. And I don't know if I can my mind can freaking fathom it. So <laughs> and it's nuts because in that arc, in that story in the Clone Wars, like literally like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka, and uh, ah Ahsoka, Ahsoka and Anakin Skywalker are all sitting in this transport ship and they get lost and, and Mortis is there and it's pulling them in and there's a blinding light and they all appear on the planet, right? And and that's how they, they're there. They, they don't even know how they're there. And then the episode ends and it's gone, completely gone. Their memory of this place is gone. You know, it's it's just, it's, it's a complete conundrum. It's absolutely in, insane. <laughs> all the questions, all the uncertainties that surround the Mortis arc 
Uh, but it's so beautiful because who do you meet? You meet the ones, the ones. These are almost like gods of the force or, or a species of the force because not only are they incredibly uh, potent in force sensitivity, they're strong force users uh, to the point where literally uh, one of the characters I'm about to talk about uh, touches a lightsaber and the lightsaber, the blade of the lightsaber, uh, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if there's a word for deigniting. I don't know. So it basically uh, disengages the lightsaber almost to the point where it dissolves in thin air, which is uh, pretty crazy uh, to think about, like touching a lightsaber. But we have three of them, or four, and we'll get to that later. Um, we have the father, the daughter, and the son. The father is kind of like in the middle. He's I, he, in, in my opinion, uh, represented like wisdom. You know, uh, everything, all in one. And then it was the daughter, who was the daughter of the light, representation of the light side of the force. And then you have the son, the son of darkness. Um, and they're pretty crazy because they're, uh, the planet is like nuts and the daughter, like everything's growing around her. You know, the basic, you know, light and dark, yin and yang type stuff, which I love. Ashla and Bogan, right? So Ashla is what the light side and, and Bogan is the dark side. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff inside that. Um, and you have the planet where they basically, the, this is their uh, seclusion. This is their domain. And it's uh, their own, like, I don't know, fortress, I guess you say. And they live there. They've lived there since the beginning of time. Uh, and there's a whole story behind them about uh, the mother, this mother character, who is actually one of my favorite characters in, like, all of Star Wars. But we don't even know her fate because Disney ended up getting the license. And then we'll never hear about the end of the story or maybe we will, I don't know. But in hopes of that, there is essentially four of them. But three right now are the main ones that are told about and that we know about the most because they're featured in things like Star Wars, the Clone Wars animation and Star Wars Rebels. And I hope we get to see more of them because these characters are some of the craziest force sensitives. Like they can shapeshift. You know, that's like one of the craziest things too is like they could sit there and then they could turn into a big demon flight thing and then to a big beautiful butterfly thing and then you know it's it's just all it's all crazy like the the um the uh, i guess you could say the sheer uh unlimitedness of their power right uh but it's also insane too because of how powerful they are anakin skywalker ends up defeating them or controlling both of them it's it's like really weird how um uh, that entire arc played out because I think it was showing the potential of the chosen one and who Anakin was and what he could become if he didn't fall to the dark side and get his limbs completely chopped off like a freaking Korean barbecue. So yeah, uh, that's exactly what I think. But they're nuts. Uh, and and I feel like they're so uh, they're so important to uh, just uh, the creation of the force and, and who they are. Uh, because they are gods, you know, they are the ones, and there's so many depictions and temples of them. Uh, there's a painting of the daughter and the father and the son on one of the Jedi temples that are on Lothal. This is one of the planets, the main planet uh, that was featured in Star Wars Rebels, and you get to see them. And and that, that temple is uh, the entrance uh, to the, uh, I almost said Chamber of Secrets, <laughs> you know, no, we're not talking about that, <laughs> is, is one of the, well, is almost a chamber into the, uh, very also mysterious of the, uh, the time realm inside Star Wars, which is also, 
uh, pretty crazy that we literally, literally I have I, we still have no idea what it really is or what it can do, but it's connected to Mortis, the planet that these uh, individuals are on, uh, and it's it's pretty insane uh, how how powerful they are because they essentially are the closest things that we have to gods per se. Um, but I, I don't even think they're really gods. They're more of like demigods to me, right? Because they, they are mortal, they can die, um, and we see that in that arc. Uh, but enough of the ones, uh, because I feel like as the, as much as we can talk about them, we can't talk about them too much because it'll take up the entire podcast. But it's very interesting, and if you haven't uh, seen that Mortis arc, please go and watch on Disney+. Plus the Mortis arc for Star Wars Clone Wars because it's one of the most intriguing and I love the world building inside that because it just makes the force uh, so much more grand than it already is. Um, and then of course, so below them, I want to say, are, and this is just, this is not like really a ranking system. This is just me going on and talking about who I think are like uh, the highest of the high. And so next we have the force priestesses and the force priestesses are also so intriguing uh, because yet we have another like omnipotent, you know, or, or deity-esque type of representation of the force. Um, and and what I mean by deity is like, you know, gods, you know, like these, these are people that um, definitely have some control over everything in some way. Maybe they can, you know, they have the ability of foresight and they can see the future uh, while also seeing the past and the present. Um, you know, maybe it's something like you're watching in Loki right now, right? Where there's multiple timelines and they see alternate realities and infinite possibilities, which is something of kind of on the lines that Qui-Gon Jinn says to Yoda um, in this arc of Clone Wars, which is the uh, which is one of the most important arcs and storylines in all of Star Wars, in my opinion, that's not in a story. Uh, and this is the part where Yoda has to learn what Qui-Gon does. And what does Qui-Gon do? He learns how to be how to live life after death and that's essentially what the light side is you know you can't be a dark side user uh, so so we think and uh, you know be immortal in some fashion you know that's where the thing comes well he's become more powerful than you can imagine and this is what Qui-Gon learns but Qui-Gon died before he learned how to uh, become a force ghost and that's essentially why you do not see him at the end of Return of the Jedi you only see Obi-Wan Kenobi Yoda and Anakin Skywalker there did Anakin learn this? Probably not, but I think the Chosen One has some type of immunity because he is the Chosen One, uh, so there's that short answer there. Um, but these Force Priestesses, they're, they're like five of them, I believe. There's there's like five beings, and they kind of, they kind of uh, represent the Force. And what's nuts is because they're on this planet called the Wellspring of Life, and this planet is the home planet of the midi chlorines like the midi chlorines it's like it's not like population and species people know it's population and species midi chlorines <laughs> right and what are midi chlorines well midi chlorines are these microscopic organisms inside you and depending on how large or how small you uh you how many midi chlorines that you have then that kind of depicts how strong force sensitivity is inside of you and you know the stronger your connection is to the force maybe the more powerful that you can become right and at least that's what it's looking like in star wars uh for now um because we all know that there's so many different ways uh of how you can become strong you know how you can't become strong and then you have force users like maz kanata from the force awakens uh who was pretty uh, I want to say that she, I, I, I don't see her as someone that's lifting rocks, right? 
uh, but she's definitely someone who can see the Force, right? Can act on it. Very similar to Chirrut Inua from Rogue One, who was also not a Jedi of any sort. He could not lift rocks. He could not, you know, it, you know, mind control someone. He could not do any of the the Jedi things that we see. But he absolutely can sense people. You know, one of the one of the coolest things I think in that movie is when he's sitting there and he sees Cassian go out. And he kind of, you know, feels like Cassian is about to kill somebody. And, he, you know, he explains to Jin or so, you know, well, you know, the you know dark side of the force acts quickly around someone who's, you know, who's about to kill something or, or hunt something, you know. Um, and then everyone finds out that he's going to go assassinate Jin or so's father. So it's, it's just stuff like that where that, that word is so cool um, in the force. And I'm trailing and I, and I digress. Anyway, so let's get back to so the force priestesses. They're there and they're waiting for Yoda. And then Yoda's all like, hmm, expect me, did you? And then, yeah, they're like, yeah, dude, we totally knew you were going to come here. And uh, you are trying to learn what the one before you that came who didn't complete his training. And they're referring to Qui-Gon Jinn because Qui-Gon Jinn was killed by Darth Maul. Darth Maul ruined Qui-Gon Jinn's plans to become immortal. But that's obviously not the case because Qui-Gon Jinn does his thing throughout all of time and space because he's the guy. He's the coolest guy, coolest Jedi. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, so Yoda goes and he learns to essentially uh, how to uh, become one with the Force after after uh, life and death, and uh, it's one of the most important arcs in all of Star Wars because you kind of see where the Force is, where the midi chlorines are. You know, they reside in this hub, at least on this side of the planet and this side of the galaxy. Uh, is it their origin space? Maybe it could be. Um, but at the same time, too, um, the priestesses, while um, I don't want to say omnipotent, uh, while uh, they're very powerful in sense of sight and wisdom, right? I feel like at the same time, too, they're just people in terms of who they are and what they're doing. Because they never really struck me as like, wow, you know, these are people that are so strong in the force and they can absolutely destroy any Sith or Jedi that comes in their way. No, it was it was more like of education um, and philosophy. And, and that's what I love so much about Star Wars because it's more than just lightsabers and the force. You know, it's also this kind of like enlightenment in the universe and beliefs. And, and that's what's so beautiful about the Force Priestesses too, because Yoda also has to test himself. And he's, and you know, Yoda is like the grandmaster of grandmasters, right? He's so in intelligent in the light side of the Force. He's so connected. But then you wouldn't think someone like Master Yoda would have a dark side to him. And that's who he meets on one of the planets, on one of the tasks to, to fill this entire story is that he meets his inner darkness. And he has to, to defeat his inner darkness. And that was one of the main steps that he had to succeed in and accomplish before he's able to obtain all the omniscience of the light side of the force and the uh, ability of force ghost, which is something he desperately needs in the timeline of Star Wars because we need him to tell Luke that it's not over and failure and all these beautiful things, right? Um, and that's who I feel like uh, would be next around this uh, because I feel like so in some way, the ones and the Force Priestess are all connected, including this next character, who is so intriguing. He's one of the newest characters in the Star Wars universe, who I love so much, and he's become a huge favorite of mine, and I don't know if we'll ever see him again, and I hope we do, especially 
and the future of Star Wars and its creation, because we have Rey Skywalker and we have Finn, and there's so many uncertainties surrounding those characters and what's going to happen to them and their continuation of their story, and I feel like this character might be able to guide them, might be able to help them on what's just out there, because maybe we don't have the priestesses right now. Obviously, we don't have the ones. We may have Abeloth or someone else who is one of the you know other great darknesses in the all-knowing universe, um, but this character is called... The Bindu. Whoa, the Bindu. Yeah, the Bindu is actually really amazing and creative because he is someone who everyone refers to gray, 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 you know, and 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 as the term goes on for gray Jedi or gray Sith or gray force user, I don't necessarily think um, that term it's, it's somewhat frowned upon these days, right? Because, you know, the more you learn about the dark side, uh, the more intriguing it becomes, because the dark side is not just, you don't just choose a side, right? No, 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 not one side is just all one, and the force isn't just one of each, right? The dark side is a drug, and the more you use it, you become addic addicted to it, right? That's essentially why there cannot be a gray Jedi, right? Because you're, you're uh, ultimately, you're going to fall down and, you know, major, <laughs> like it's a college class, in in one sense of the force. And that's why there's just so many issues with uh, Jedi and Sith. It's ultimately their beliefs, because both of their beliefs are flawed. And if and if there is one that's more hypocritical, hypocritical out of all of them, it is the gray Jedi that I feel like is the most hypocritical, uh, because you cannot be a you cannot be a gray. Sorry, you cannot be a Jedi if you're gray, because Jedi do not use the dark side of the Force. Right? That's at least what I understand, to an extent. Obviously, it's more complicated than that, because there's belief and there's abilities, you know? Um, the dark side can be used for good, I want to say. Yes, you know, like, uh, I mean, well, debatably saying you could kill somebody that would save everybody. You know, you can use uh, dark side abilities like force lightning or force drain for justice and for good. You know, and I think a really good example of that is like Kyle Katarn, uh, because I think he was one of those who viewed like the force as kind of like a tool and a weapon, which uh, which also allowed him to kind of uh, enlighten others to say, like, listen, I'm not evil. I, you know, I'm helping, you know, the galaxy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing these things for justice and good, you know, but I don't allow myself to be labeled by just this or just that. And I think that's a really a beautiful way to look at it, too. And that's what I was hoping Luke Skywalker's character would kind of turn into in this new canon. Uh, and it kind of is what he was going... It kind of was in The Last Jedi, and then it uh, kind of wasn't. Um, and, you know, either way, I think uh, Luke's depiction in this timeline is very unique uh, and beautiful in its own way. Um, and I feel like... Even though I don't agree with it, I think it can still go down a really amazing path later when it's ex extended upon when we get more books and get more knowledge and maybe when Ray's and Finn's story is continued. Um, but the Bindu is so important too because he kind of uh, is, is he's like a foundation for this. And what I mean by that, it's something that they can build off of. It's almost like a blueprint for other things in the galaxy and other things in the universe. Um, now, he, re like he lives on this planet called Adalon. Um, and we're introduced 
to Adalon in uh, one of the final seasons, if not the final season of Star Wars Rebels. Actually, I think it's this. Yes, it's it's. I think it's like the second. I think it's this, the second to last season where you meet the Bindu and uh, Phoenix Squad and Harrison Dula and Kanan Jarrus and Ezra Bridger and Sabine Wren, the entire gang that you're introduced to into Star Wars Rebels on Disney Plus. Go watch it, please. Thank you very much. They get uh, kind of forced onto this outer rim planet that's in the Lothal system. Um, and they meet this character. Uh, a couple of them do. Uh, and he's kind of like calling out to Kanan. And Kanan's feeling something in the Force, which is so beautiful about Jedi and Sith. Because, you know, they're connected into this uh, life network, which is called the Force. And it's like frequencies and, and feelings and pressures of certain things, you know. Uh, and that's what's so beautiful because... Kanan enters on this planet, as well as, you know, Ezra Bridger, who has a lot of issues as well. Um, and he, and the Bindu meets them in his nice little secluded area, and he's all like, geez, oh my god, you know, your presence here is like a storm. And, you know, <laughs> it doesn't say like that, he's, he's very, you know, he's, he's very, he has so much wisdom, you know, he's so intelligent, I could never imagine speaking like him. Um, and, you know, he's like, listen, you know, like, uh, I understand that you're here for what you're doing, uh, but you must leave this planet because it's like a storm. Uh, and, and I love that because it just goes to show you the Force, and uh, the depiction of the Force. And I love the depiction of the Force in The Last Jedi because, you know, you're, you're seeing, like, life and death and nature and, and light and dark and all these things. And I feel like that's probably one of the greatest depictions since, like, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, where Yoda talks about it when Luke, he's training Luke. Um, you know, he talks about crude matter and how the force is in all of us, the rock, the trees, you know, and you and me and, and, and binds everything together. And when you don't necessarily have any type of obstructions or distortions, uh, and that distortion would be another force sensitive, right? Because they all give out these, uh, these types of, how can I say it? The force... Force sensitives give out this type of aura, or maybe this uh, frequency. I think that's a better word. Is frequency, um, and you're in tune to it, right? You're you're receiving their signal, and it's it's crazy how it can easily be shaken. Um, and I love how Kanan Jarrus, who's honestly his, uh, he's at this point in his story in Star Wars Rebels, he's trending upwards. Like he's becoming more powerful because he's connected to the Force, despite his struggles. But we all know his struggles um, in the Dark Time because, as I talked about in the previous podcast, how it's so hard for a Jedi to even breathe in this time during the Dark Times because there's so much darkness around them. On top of that, just like uh, Kanan Jarrus, um, our main character from Jedi Fallen Order. Cal Kestis also, you know, he has to relearn to use his abilities. Kanan Jarrus also has to relearn to use his abilities because he's not, he's he was a Padawan when all this happened, as we see in the opening of the Bad Batch. And, you know, he had to live a certain way. He had to become a scavenger. He had to become a smuggler. He had to take jobs that you wouldn't necessarily take jobs. Kind of what the Bad Batch is doing is they really don't know un how to understand to survive in this time because they're not supported. They have to be not necessarily bounty hunters, but mercenaries, and that's essentially what a lot of the Force Sensitives had to do, just, you know, to just put food on the table for themselves and get planet to planet. And um, it's a very unique way how someone who essentially is of the light side, representing of the light side, I think of it like water uh, and electricity. 
um, you have, uh, let's say, let, let's form water and electricity into one. And then let's say you dirty the water. Um, you put mud in it, right? And you know, mud isn't essentially bad. Let's say dirt, right? A, a little bit of dirt gets inside of that water and electricity. So instead of being clear and powerful, now it's a little dark and murky and a little nasty. You're not really sure what's coming at it because this person experienced death. This person experienced pain. This person experienced suffering. Um, and that suffering lingers in their soul, right? And it, it just can, can consistently changes their frequency because they're no longer of a certain representation of the force. Does that make sense? And so after you're done, you've become who you are, you've lived your life, but those things are still in your memories, they're still a part of your soul because your soul and memory and, and pain and suffering is all connected into one. And then you touch down on this planet that is highly force sensitive with an individual who is extremely potent in the, in the force. Um, and he senses you, not just you and your power, but also what you've been through. And it's, and that force is that one representation, right? That one thumbnail, um, uh, showing a preview of, of who you are to this person that has lived here in peace. And so, yes, you know, it's like a storm. He's not, he, you're, you're different. You know, everything over here is black and white and you show up in your orange and red and gray, you know, and, and I feel like that's a, that's one of the most beautiful things inside of Star Wars is the depiction of Bindu kind of, uh, feeling who this character Kanan Jarrus is. And that's just a character who was a good guy in the dark times. That's not even a character that is evil, right? And, and that's what I love uh, so much uh, about the Bindu because the Bindu is not about sides. You know, he's about the force. Um, and, and I love it so much because there's parts of this character where he talks about the holocron, he talks about the dark side, um, and there's one thing, the Kirkna, right? If you remember in season two, episode two of The Mandalorian, you see those giant ice spiders. Um, well, they're also on this planet of Adalon, and the Kirkna are kind of, you know, they're nice, they're doing their own thing, but then guess what? The, Re the Rebel shows up, and they have their chopper base. And now, you know, the Kirkna's kind of like ecosystem is messed up, and so they're killing the Kirkna because the, the Kirkna are feeling all weird and the Kirkna are kind of force sensitive as well because they feel people's feelings. They understand people are scared and if you're scared, they're scared. And because they're scared, they're gonna lash out and attack. And it's so crazy how all these things are all connected, but it just goes to show you like, not only like, uh, you know, the effects of people and ecosystems and intruding, you know, and things like that and what slash and burn, whatever, you know, whatever, the, whatever, whatever is happening with the rebels and, and, and they're doing. Um, but also, of course, the Force Sensitives S2, so the, Kork the Kirkna are getting killed, and the Bindu's like, yo, you know, you're killing these Kirkna, but all they're doing is trying to survive. Why don't you try to understand them and connect with them? And then, of course, after like two episodes of, of poor giant spiders getting slaughtered, uh, you realize that they're just honing into your fear, and you just can't be afraid around them. You have to be completely neutralistic in terms of feelings because they like they latch on to that they latch on to your pain your your fear and then they lash out and they attack you and then i felt like that was like uh, a really great uh lesson in the force i'm not saying go out and touch a great white shark or something please do not do that i'm just saying that it was uh, a very good experience uh for star wars and how force sensitives have this huge responsibility uh, of keeping their emotions in check keep and not just like their emotions but their thoughts and their fears uh, which is also harps all the way back which is why I'm talking about this to return of the Jedi when Luke and Darth Vader are fighting and Luke is hiding away from him and Luke is so scared 
uh, because he doesn't want to fight his father, but then he's also thinking about so many things, you know, the fate of the galaxy, but also his sister. And that's what Darth Vader says. Ah, a sister. You have a twin sister, you know, and and, and just all those things. And, and that's why I feel like Star Wars itself is such a, a beautiful summarization of lessons because the lessons are always taught in time and it's timeless. Uh, which is why so many people get so many different things from Star Wars, and the Bindu is one of them. Uh, you know, it's 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 so beautiful to see uh, his uniqueness in the characters because his is he's also like a, a Yoda, where you see Yoda for the first time, and and he's the first of his species, right? In Empire Strikes Back, you've never seen him before. He's this weird creature on this weird planet, and that's why Bindu is also a Yoda in a sense. You know, I think if the Bindu is introduced in the Empire Strike Back, he's probably just as big as Yoda uh, in terms of like popularity because of who he is, how he is, what he's teaching, what he's you know what he's uh, connected to, which is the Force. He's also extremely powerful because he uses a Force ability, which is like Force Storm. Uh, which is one of the most powerful <laughs> abilities in all of the Legends continuity because it's literally like destroying planets and battalions and ships and armadas in one. Um, and he uses that to fight the Empire when the Empire and Thrawn show up on Adalon to what well, before they're about to e eliminate uh, the rebels. Um, but the Bindu was just upset and offended. And uh, I felt like that was the one character flaw of the Bindu was because Although he was preaching about like there's uh, you know your your war you brought the war with you and and although he was right because Kane and Jarrus and the rebels did bring the war to Adalon because just think about that they didn't have to go to Adalon they chose Adalon because of what it was and how secretive it was but in doing that you know they went to Adalon and they also brought the destruction of all these species. Uh, the, almost the destruction of the planet because the Star Destroyers and Thrawn's Armada is literally raining down on Chopper Base and it's almost destroying them. You know, so the planet saw a lot of war and destruction that it really didn't need to have. And that's another big thing about, uh, you know, Knights of the Old Republic is choice and how your choice affects you. You know, you see how many Star Wars things are ringing in this one episode, which is why another series that people said is not good Star Wars. It's actually some of the best Star Wars that you get, especially when it's on its tone of highest of highs. Um, so go check out Star Wars uh, Rebels. Go watch it. There's only like five seasons. It's great, fantastic Star Wars. Go and meet the Bindu. Go and see him. Force sensitive, insane. All right, so let's so let's uh, detach ourselves from this hierarchy of nobles and deities. All right, <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> yeah, deities. So, so a deity is such a funny word, a deity. All right, yeah, that's how you say it, deity. All right. Um, so let's go down to the rest. Okay, and these are factions um, or governments that are also force sensitive but that are not the Sith or Jedi okay and the first one I want to talk about is uh, is who I met in Star Wars the Old Republic now understand um, this is not canon as of right now this is more so Legends continuity, and it's some of the only Legends continuity that's actually getting continued upon because of the MMO Star Wars The Old Republic, which has been going on for a long time and has been supported. It does have DLC, which is kind of a, it's it's like the most rare thing right now in a time of Disney era Star Wars. It's the only game that has Legends continuity that's continuously writing in its own stuff. But the Voss are a species, okay? And the Voss, I'm also moving my notes, so if you hear clicks and stuff, I have so many notes of everything. Um, the Voss are 
absolutely insane because they were the first time I want to say I understood that there was force sensitives that were not Jedi and Sith. And it was so fascinating because when you're watching movies only, and this is kind of in a time where you understand that there's more to Star Wars than just the movies, which I feel like is probably the most intriguing part of Star Wars in lore when you get into it, because you're starting, you're on that cusp of the surface, right? Uh, and you're looking into the deep abyss of all this lore and knowledge, and you haven't really succumbed to it yet. You understand how deep it can be, uh, and you're very interested and excited. And and I want to say the Voss was at the at the start of this, because the the Voss, not only do they have their planet is the same name as them, but 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 listen to this, okay? They're uh, sentient species that uh, they don't travel outside of their world. Like it's it's fortified specifically for them, and they have a capital city, um, and their capital city is literally ruled by force wielding mystics, okay? Um, and these mystics control everything on their planet. You know, they're, they're seers, they're healers. Um, I think they have, uh, 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 philosophers, you know, that do prophecies. Uh, there's a bunch of missions in your main story too, that you're connected to Voss and the Voss are teaching you about them. And they're also like, they use the force for what it is. Um, which, and I think one of the characters that you can, uh, like, one of the characters of the Voss in the storyline turns to the dark side, and, like, he, like, I think he also changes color, and his eyes change color, you know, so they're also, like, a conduit of the Force, in a sense, and who they are kind of represents, uh, their, their, I think how they are, are in color, and it's, and I think, like, uh, but but I think there's also other things too. I like I think they're like male and female are also uh, different colors, um, and depending on their force sensitivity, they're also like different colors. There's just uh, so many different types of uh, biology with these creatures. Excuse me, these these species, um, and it's so crazy uh, how like it all started because I think um, someone had taught them. Someone ancient had taught them. Uh, about uh, the force and they just kind of you know pilgrimage on this planet and and stayed there you know um, and I think they even have a spirit world on their planet so like long dead Voss can literally like <laughs> uh, like manifest themselves uh, in into their own world like that like kind of like separates the living and the spirit world which is like really crazy too that's like some <laughs> some like crazy paranormal stuff um and i think even during like the legends time of the continuity of i remember like the sith are always trying to get every single planet to represent them and so is the republic you know there's this faction war and it just turns so political between them and they're trying to talk to the voss you know and they're trying the voss is all like yeah no we protect ourselves we really don't want any of you on this planet um and I think even people that visit the planet are only allowed in, like, the tourist area. It's not it's not an actual tourist area, but it's only one area. Um, and no one else is allowed to go, like, on on the planet itself. It's, it's like, crazy because they also have commandos. You know, they're not, like, stupid in any means. They're very intelligent. And they also have their own force just in case if there is intruders. Um, 
But it's it's crazy to see someone like that uh, uh, that has an entire planet that has its own government operate in its own sense because they also have a giant population. It's not like the Night Sisters, which I'm going to talk about later, or anything like that. Um, it's pretty uh, it's pretty intricate in in their design and their livingness in uh, the the galaxy, and it's uh, so insane. Uh, yeah, the, and I think. I think they first appeared in the Old Republic too, the Star Wars Old Republic, the MMO, and I and I love that game. I love that. I would love to see more of them too because, um, like I said, they don't really travel outside either. You know, they don't really have people that that go, that show up there, and they don't have people that leave the planet either. So if you ever see a boss, like off planet, that'd be so interesting to see. I would love to know his story. You know, because <laughs> they're supposed to be so enlightened. Uh, they're like monks in a way, and they just kind of like sit there and do their thing. Um, so uh, yeah, the boss uh, so intriguing, so unique in their own in their own way, uh, and definitely go check them out. Uh, I'm sure there's some type of video on YouTube. If not, I'll probably have to make it myself because I don't think people talk about the boss enough. Um, now let's talk about the Night Sisters. We the Night Sisters fam. The Night Sisters. I actually have an entire book. Uh, on this, and it's it's behind me. It's the Book of the Sith, and the one thing I love about <clears throat> the Night Sisters is kind of like the respect that Palpatine had for someone like Mother Talzin, and Mother Talzin um, is essentially the the leader of of all of uh, excuse me, um, Mother yeah Mother Talzin is the uh, the leader of the night sisters sorry i'm trying to fix the closed captions i'm not sure if the closed captions are working here so i just want to make sure that they're working for one second okay so are we talking now yes okay yeah so uh the the night sisters are some of the craziest because like i said palpatine ended up having uh enough respect for their magic and their dark their dark-sided magic uh so much that he saw mother talzin as a a real threat to his power enough where he schemed and plotted to kill her um and it's so crazy too because you know when you start to learn about the dark side and just the force there are variants of the force that can turn into magic um a really good example of this is how on endor you know you have the the ewoks and you have there's a couple of like priestesses and and warlocks uh that are that have like magic or force that's like force sensitive magic in a sense uh and they're like wizards uh, kind of which is really crazy to see in star wars because you know there's already jedi which are like space wizards and in 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 a sense and then you also have the night sisters and the night sister is kind of like this ritualistic uh alchemy like dark magic, almost voodoo-like uh, dark side. And it's so crazy to see that type of power. Another power, uh, another character that uses this is Asajj Ventress. You know, she's a Night Sister as well. Um, and they have an entire government. They have an entire society too, uh, where it's, you know, it's female dominated, which is so cool to see in Clone Wars because you see someone like Darth Maul that's from there. And, you know, Darth Maul has this huge connection with Mother Talzin. You know, and, you know, he loves Mother Talzin, and, and there's just so many different things. Even though Mother Ta he loves Mother Talzin, Mother Talzin sold him off, and then he became the Sith Assassin that he was. 
Uh, just a complete rogue uh, and one of the greatest fleshed out characters in all of Star Wars. Including as well as like Asajj Ventress. Um, but the sheer, uh, I want to say, survivability of the Night uh, the Night Sisters, but also like the reputation, you know, uh, it's so notable, I want to say, in in a sense, because I think their creation of the Night Sisters goes so far back in time. And I was, uh, I remember Pablo Hidalgo talking about this on his Twitter, his old, old Twitter that he had like uh, three or four years ago. And I want to see uh, just exactly when they actually appeared like for the first time because he talks like he has this old 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 book um of like you know, like the first illustrations ever for night sisters um and it was like their first mention and i don't even know if this book is public or not and i want to see exactly <clears throat> exactly when so appearances mentioned only mentioned only the first appearance is the courtship of princess leia um, so, The Courtship of Princess Leia is actually a Legends book, um, so I'm not sure how many, how many times that this book was retconned. Um, but this was published in 19, April of 1994. So, uh, I think, I think they even go back further than that, because the Night Sisters are as, okay, so this is the first time they were identified as Night Sisters. Um, so that does not mean that it was the first time that I ever uh, appeared. So there might be more renditions than this, and I think there is. I think even the Night Sisters go back to the late 80s um, in some form. Uh, so they're pretty unique to Star Wars, and they're very important uh, to uh, who they are. And I would love to see more stuff, because sometimes... Uh, this stuff is not actually uh, released to the media. Sometimes it's behind like Lucasfilm and their and their production into other books and other things. Because who knows how many things are that are out there? Um, oh, here we go. I think I just found it. The Battle of e Ewoks: The Battle of Endor. Oh wow. Okay, so this is Ewoks: The Battle of Endor. I think this is the second movie. I think uh, this is this is obviously no longer canon. And. This came out in 1985. Okay, cool. So that was I was kind of on the right track here. I was I was I knew that I was right to a certain degree, um, and I think the main villain might be a night sister, or she is what is depicted as a night sister. Now I'm gonna have to watch this movie now. I'm gonna probably watch this movie tonight. <laughs> Because <laughs> I want to see and understand because there's so many different renditions of these characters uh, and their society, you know, and how they're like witches of Star Wars. Um, and they're so important to the lore of like legends. Um, uh, they have baden, uh, they have maidens and and mothers and crones. And, like there's uh, they have this entire like uh, power ranking system and society uh, and just who they are, you know, I. Uh, of like it's just so it's so beautiful the way I feel like their government is and and how they're brought into a reality of you know these almost like female only uh, uh, and force sensitive I, I'm just so fascinated at the fact because what I think about is like the Mayans right or like Native Americans and you know witches for some reason ha uh, witches and wizards have always been so interesting to me because it's like you know it's like a Skyrim thing right Elder Scrolls 
Um, and, and who knows, you know, if ma magically exists or doesn't exist and things like that. Um, but then you talk about like Star Wars um, and like the beginnings of time of like Legends canon and the, the thousand year, uh, thousand year of darkness um, and the first like civil war of the Jedi and the dark Jedi, you know, and it's it's actually pretty crazy how all this kind of happens because one of the planets that they also discover is uh, is, you know, Dathomir. And, you know, Dathomir and its entire, like, Witches of Dathomir and the Society of Dathomir. Oh, man, and the, and the forces, like, I could just go on and on and on and, like, how they were kind of, like, founded. Because I think they were, like, dark, uh, they were uh, dark wielders of the force who became Night Sisters uh, that were into clans uh, and everything else. Um, and... It's so it's so crazy uh, on how this all is. You know, uh, maybe one day I'll just dedicate an entire podcast to the Night Sisters and who they and who they are. Once I've kind of like, uh, you know, just absorbed more of the Legends continuity that sur surrounds them, because there's so much, there's so much lore, and there's so much Night Sister stuff, and and Asaz Ventress and Mother Talzin and the Clone Wars era uh, stories are only just the beginning. All right. So that was the Night Sisters, and of course, the most recent that we have are actually the Zepho. The Zepho are in the the newest uh, the newest uh, video game, which is uh, Jedi uh, Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order, um, which is crazy because they they remind me so much of the Rakatans in a sense, and the Rakatans and other characters uh, that I'm going to talk about. And we're almost at 52 minutes with this podcast. This is a lot, yeah. So uh, the Zepho were also this uh, uh, ancient civilization, um, and they fled. They fled. Uh, they fled. You know, their their planet is left. Their technology is left, and you're kind of tracking it down in the video game, and uh, which is really great for world building. It's it's so beautiful when Star Wars the world builds itself and it can support itself outside of the movies. And I feel like that's where Star Wars essentially uh, becomes uh, in its fullest form because it's using just basic elements of the movies to inspire itself on main story that does not need to be supported by the movies itself and it can support it on its own self and that's why it's so beautiful because of the Zephyr are these new creatures uh, that are brought into the uh, light first time in in the new canon um, and it's so crazy because they all kind of like succumb to the dark side the dark side consumed them um, from what I got from the video game um, and and this is only Jedi Fallen Order 1 so their story has yet to be finished and there's probably so more and i can't wait to see uh more of the clone wars or excuse me of uh of jedi fallen order and the stories that are kind of um planted uh in seeds you know and sprout to become what they are now and, and uh because there's so much that we haven't been told yet about the zepho um but they were also force sensitive uh because a lot of their uh architecture um, was essentially like built in to uh, use force sensitivity into it, you know, how you open doors and things like that, and um, even some of the uh, mechanics, the the droids that they they built for defense. Um, uh, so I think their society also thrived in the force as well. Now, um, this one, who I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about these two, and these two that I talked about in my last podcast, and these are the Rakatans and the Sith pure buds or the Sith species. Now, the Rakatans are probably some of the craziest, darkest, um, maybe the most important Star Wars species or factions outside of the Sith and the Jedi because they had the, they were involved in the Infinite Empire. And this was like 
I, I almost think not only thousands of years, but it's like, like thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And maybe even like Star Wars lore is so ginormous. Um, and this is why I didn't really want to include too much Legends continuity, because Legends continuity is just, it's everlasting, man. It's limitless. There's just so much out there. There's stuff that's been retconned. There's stuff that's been erased. There's stuff that's been changed. There's stuff that's been mentioned once, and it's never really been extended upon further than that. Um, but you have the um, uh, the Rakatan Empire, and the Rakatan Empire were these uh, species that were called the Rakatans, um, and they were like of the dark side of the Force. So much so that their weapons and technology were also Force-related uh, and Force-involved, uh, which is, like, kind of crazy, which also became their downfall. But they expanded and they and they conquered almost, like, I think it's, I think their expansion was even larger than the Empire. Uh, and that should tell you, like, how vast their Empire was, because, you know, it's the Infinite Empire. And I think they lasted for thousands of years, too, like, something ridiculous. You know, the Empire was only like, what, 30 years? Something like that? 30-something years? <laughs> and and then the Infinite Empire was like thousands of years? Understand, like, they were, it's like, like their technology was superior. You know, their, they were so expansive because every single uh, race or civilization that they dominated turned into uh, slaves. They sold them off to become slaves. Um, and it was just kind of crazy. And they fought in a war also with the... Uh, the uh, Sith Purebloods, and the Sith Purebloods are also a part of ancient Star Wars lore. These two bodies, uh, uh, representations of factions, uh, kind of go hand in hand because the Sith Purebloods were some of the first species discovered outside of the Jedi after the Civil War of the Dark Jedi and the Jedi. Uh, they, the Dark Jedi lost the Civil War, and they were excommunicated to the far reaches of space. And on their conquest to seek new uh, home worlds, they found the Sith Purebloods. And the Sith Purebloods were potent in, in, like, in the dark side of the Force. You know, like, they were just naturally imbued with dark side Force sensitivity. Now, were they powerful from, uh, were they more powerful than the Dark Jedi? No, they were not. But they were very strong, uh, naturally. And of course, what happened with these, you know, they ended up, you know, they ended up becoming a part of them and living amongst them. You know, they had wives, they had husbands, then they had childrens. And so they essentially became one. And uh, it's so crazy, too, because <clears throat> there's a lot of Sith purebloods that are only about like their species um uh because you know they the dark side is so is naturally inside of them and they believe that it's only for them at times like if you look at like naga sadao um who was probably one of the most um a notable sith pure blood sith dark lords you know sith lords uh because he was so exceptionally strong in the dark side of the force and there wasn't too many like Sith purebloods that are that are, that were like him in that time and that stretched out and had that uh, reputation amongst his own species aside the Sithari and that was King Adas that I talked about in the previous with the Sithari podcast. Those were the only two that I think. And there's a lot of them, you know, like uh, Marco Ragnos and a couple of Marco Ragnos who's is featured way down the timeline um, in the Jedi Knight games, which is a pretty cool story. 
Um, but there's there's a, there's a bunch of them, and uh, they honestly are the most fascinating characters in all of Star Star Wars, because Star Wars has allowed themselves to use their storytelling um, about the Sith and the Sith worlds of Zios and you know Korriban, you know, uh, and and I, and Yavin. You know, these are all planets that kind of like reside into these characters and are familiar with these characters too, because every time you see a New Hope. And you see the the rebel base on Yavin. That's the Masasi warriors. These that those pyramids are related uh, to these characters, the Rakan Empire and the Sith species. So uh, that's what I'm talking about when Star Wars allows itself to use elements of the Star Wars continuity in movies, but allows it to create its own uh, unique storyline that separates itself. And that's where I feel like Star Wars really excels. Uh, and stuff like that, and the Sith species and the Rakatans are some of the coolest parts of this. Now, um, the next two are 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 really insane in terms of like it's just random, um, and we don't know a lot about them. So I'm gonna do the or the Ordu Espectu. Um, and if you're a big fan of the Doctor Afra comics, Doctor Afra comics is, are probably some of the coolest comics that I've ever seen. Um, she's easily one of the coolest characters. In fact, one of my favorite new characters in the entire Star Wars timeline that Disney's created for the comics. If you have not read her comics, go and read it. Uh, but she talks. Uh, she's one of the only comics that talk about the Old Republic, and this faction, the Ordu Espectu, are a light-sided, uh, like radicalized uh, version of the Jedi. They separate the, themselves from the Jedi, so I'm not even really sure if you can call themselves Jedi because they're they're really not anymore. They're just light side. They're light side users wielding a lightsaber. Um, they're very radical, very very radical, and they search for <laughs> they search for um, the ability to uh, to become immortal. And and that doesn't really sound like light sided at all. You know, when you when you really think about it, it it's not. Um, but they have so much uh, in the Doctor Afra comic. I think the Order of Respect to have maybe like twelve or thirteen issues. Uh, they have an entire arc that is uh, specified over them, uh, and now they have the audio book too. That's uh, that uh, Doctor Afra has, which is incredible. And if you listen to, uh, to anything audio, definitely do it because uh, it's almost like a movie the way they put that high production into it. Um, but they have their leader too, and the, and his leader, um, uh, the the leader is uh, really uh, crazy because I think his name is uh, Immortal Roar. And, and he is like, he can possess anything. Like, like he can possess people, he can possess droids. Um, it's almost as if like the force has allowed itself to become infectious. Um, and he, he infects people with, oh, with his force sensitivity or something in, in, uh, along that lines. And he allows to gain control of the user. Um, and he was just a a constant villain that was always trying to kill afra or around afra and it was uh very interesting to see the type of people that he would infect and possess because the people needed to have a high sense of justice you know, like a very very high sense of justice um and it's funny too to see someone like him come into contact with Darth Vader 
you know, and Darth Vader just absolutely destroys this guy. Throws him like it's it's comical the way Darth Vader uses this this droid that he ended up possessing, and and this immortal war guy who's possessed this droid is getting tossed and thrown like a cartoon <laughs> by Darth Vader, just wall to wall. Um, and it's funny, uh, but his in- entire like faction, uh, you know, of his of his uh, citadel. And the order respect to uh, just there. It's just really nuts and crazy to see a Jedi faction be so chaotic good. Um, uh, and, and that's one of the other Force sensitives. And I'm pretty sure we'll get more of them because recently it seems like they're planting these seeds, um, and they're going to start uh, talking more about these characters as they go on. Because these, this is the new legends. You know, this is the new old Republic. Um, and you're going to see a lot of these characters uh, be recycled into some maybe forms of video games, maybe forms of stories, and I can't wait to see more of them. Um, now, this the uh, sky, uh, the um, I think they're sky screamers, um, and I'm not going to really talk about them too much because I felt like the comic was okay, and uh, Master Yoda had gone on this uh, this trip, and he met these giant rock creatures and if this is the comic that i can remember he met these giant rock creatures and uh these civilization these people were like using some of the rocks that they had touched uh, as weapons um and some of the people had lived for i think i think it was like 100 years or something and the rocks had been there for so long and yoda's kind of like connecting to the force to the to the rocks and to the people um and he's like He's on a level where he's talking to the rocks, the rock people, the giant stones, and the stone all people like, they're all over the planet, you know, and they and and because Yoda's connecting to uh, connecting to the Force and talking to one of them, they all kind of like wake up out of their slumber, um, and and that was a very like unique uh, comic, and I don't think there's uh, there's there was more outside of that that they had talked about them. Um, and then we have the, who is the, okay, so, yeah, so that's all it for, for the rest. Okay, so now, I'm gonna go into these characters that I call the weird ones, okay? And what I mean by the weird ones is I'm not really sure, um, what they are, if they are Force-sensitive or not. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm talking about this. And the first one I want to talk about is actually one of the first iterations of, uh, Star Wars new canon and that is the legends of Luke Skywalker um, And this story was called fishing in the dulge and Luke Skywalker is I think this is during the time where after return of the Jedi uh, Where Luke Skywalker goes off and he's like, you know searching and expanding his mind on the force and he goes uh, to this plan war of uh, this planet uh, called Luel and on this planet Luel um, he meets a character called a Aglan and Aeglon is a uh, 12-year-old who befriended Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker is uh, studying kind of like uh, her her people and the knowledge of their force. Um, and I'm not sure if there is, is like real art on this person um, or what they do. But um, they I feel like they're... They're connected to, uh, they remind me so much of, whatchamacallit, the, uh, who are the Force-sensitives that, uh, the Togrutans, right? 
they're like almost like Native Americans, right? Um, and they're like very into the nature of of their planet. Um, and it's and this planet specifically is is all water. It's an aquatic level, uh, aquatic planet, completely filled with water. Uh, so almost like uh, Camino. Um, and they live by the sea. And the, I think they use like uh, the blubber from whales as uh, some type of energy or fuel or something. Um, and it's just, it's just a very uh, subtle like reference to them in in this story in this story. Uh, but they they kind of are are living together like a people, uh, almost like a tribe almost. And Luke Skywalker goes here um, and and talks to them about their force sensitivity. That's one. And then the next one, is uh, from the Chiss books of the Thrawn books and the Skywalkers. Um, and the Skywalkers are not like Luke Skywalker. These are navigators. Uh, and they and the Chiss, the, which is Thrawn's race, they use these Skywalkers to navigate uh, the chaos, the uh, basically the uncharted space that they're around. That's how they navigate. Um, and they use it to like, uh, they, it's literally like Force Sensitives are, are standing on the front of the bridge and they're navigating through the stars and suns and nebulas and dark holes so the entire spaceship doesn't get blown to bits um and then some of them can even uh talk i think uh through telepathy um and but it's so weird too because although they're force sensitive they end up losing it at a certain age so when they become more mature so when they're uh, so as like they hit puberty i guess um, and they start to and their body starts to mature and their mind starts to mature they end up losing that connection to the force which is so weird you know uh, like it's so opposite of the force you know because usually when you connect to it more and more uh, at least from a jedi standpoint or a force sensitive standpoint in you know jedi and sith uh you know you end up strengthening your bond in the force and that allows you to become more powerful uh, but not for these Skywalkers, not for the Chiss, uh, because as they get older, they end up losing their Force sensitivity in time. And now this character, I don't know if this character is Force sensitive or not, but I kind of think it is. I don't know for sure. And there's so many characters that can do what this character does that are not Force sensitive, but I just want to put this character here. And this is... The Eye of Webbish Bog. Whoa, so crazy, right? Sounds so nuts. But the Eye of Webbish Bog is so freaking cool because this character was supposed to be in The Rise of Skywalker, right? And it's just like, what? Wow, like there is literally uh, uh, official proof that we've had that this character was filmed to a certain degree. I don't know how far production had got into it, but there was a scene of Kylo Ren talking to the Eye of Webbish Bog. And one of the most recent uh, uh, illustrations, excuse me, issues of the Vader comics, we actually have Darth Vader meeting this character as well. And this character is talking to Darth Vader, the mighty Darth Vader, uh, uh, through his mind, in telepathy. Someone is reaching out to him. And that's why I feel like this character, in some fashion, is force sensitive. Um, because there goes through so much, like there, if you have the uh, the art of the rise of Skywalker, uh, there's uh, a lot of excerpts and and art about this character and what they were trying to do, and they were and like J.J. Abrams apparently fell in love with this character so much because he wanted this character in the movie to some degree, 
uh, and this character has so many iterations of itself. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of times, I, I think honestly what happened is they felt that it was too dark for the movie. That's why I feel like it was taken out because uh, this character, it looks terrifying, uh, all of its, in, in all of its forms. Uh, but you see in the comic, uh, what it is, what it looks like. And it's this big giant spider type creature that's on top of a head of a giant. Um, and he's talking, but he's, he's also playing tricks. Uh, like there's like a, a mind force, almost like a force sensitive, like, uh, mind force where he's like entering Darth Vader's mind and he's showing Darth Vader different heads that he's on. Uh, so I believe this thing is force sensitive to some degree. Um, and we do not know any more than just the comic and the concept art that we have this, you know, maybe one day they'll come out with like Rise of Skywalker anniversary or something like that. And I hope they do down the road uh, because I feel like there's so much more about this character and he's just a mystery. Um, so we did about that and I'm going to list off some of my favorite, uh, species that are force sensitives, um, that also might have their own type of government or just, you know, how force sensitive they are. Um, the first ones that I have are humans, obviously boring, uh, the Keldos and the Keldos, I think are the, uh, pl uh, Placoons own race, Twi'leks, um, everybody knows Twi'leks, you know, Aayla Sakura. Um, Tegrutans, you know, Tegruta, Tegruta, I think is actually, how you say it, Tegruta, those, that's like Ahsoka's, uh, Ahsoka and Shakti's, um, Syrian, and then the Zabrax, Zabrax, of course, are Darth Maul and Saj Ventress, Yoda species, uh, we do not know the name of Yoda species yet, uh, and then another species that we do not know, uh, that also that we know is, uh, force sensitive is Maz Kanata to a certain degree, we don't know her species, um, and then we have, uh, the Nautilus, you know, uh, and there's, uh, there's a bunch more, there's a bunch more species, um, that are out there. Um, I, like even Rodians, you know, are, are force sensitive. Some, some Wookiees are, are force sensitive. Um, and there's, there's a bunch, even some Ewoks, you know, there are so many force sensitives out there. Um, and I felt like this was such a great topic to, to talk about because, you know, what's the coolest thing about Star Wars is, I feel like essentially is that almost anybody, right, can be a force sensitive. Um, and that's the coolest thing is even if you're not a Master Yoda, you still have a force, you're still force sensitive to some degree. You know, you could be a turret, you know, you could be a Mas Kanata, you know, maybe you could be a battle master of some sort who, you know, yeah, you can uh, see a little bit into the future because your re reaction time is so fast. You know, but maybe you can't lift rocks or, you know, have the ability of foresight or force healing. Um, and that's what is so cool about Star Wars is that it's more than just Jedi and the Sith. And I've been wanting to talk about this for like months now. And I saw so many people make videos of it, including my boy Element. It's part of the Dyad. So go check out his podcast, his YouTube channel and his TikTok. Um, he could probably name way more things than I can because uh, he is essentially he's the true master, just like him and Ch uh, Chaco. So go check him out. Please, I hope you all enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions, please go ahead and ask me. Uh, I would love to when I'm not on a time constraint of an hour. And we went 14 minutes over that hour today. So I hope you all enjoy uh, this podcast. I'll see you next week when I'm probably going to talk about Sith Lords and some of my favorite Sith Lords. Because I've been wanting to talk about Sith Lords and my favorite Sith Lords. So I hope you're ready for that. 
I'll see you later. Thank you so much. Please subscribe to the podcast and also please get ready for some more content on YouTube. I'm going to be reviewing uh, the Rising Storm, Kevin Scott's Rising Storm of the High Republic. I'm going to need all the attention on that. So please help me out. I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Talking about Star Wars. I'll see you around. Deuces.